Who knew in the moment? The premise of the show is as we're living our lives, very rarely do we realize the magnitude of a moment while it's happening. However, in hindsight, we can look back and see all of the pivotal moments that have led to where we're at. Enjoy as we interview amazing people with fascinating stories, sharing their pivotal moments. Our podcast is now available to be streamed on Amazon Music. Go check it out. Hello and welcome to another episode of Who Knew in the Moment, the podcast. I'm your host, Phil Friedrich, and today I'm honored to have Jordan Mendoza with me. Jordan is the founder of Blaze Your Own Trail Consulting, and something you're going to hear throughout our conversation today is how obstacles will arise, and if you let them, they can be stumbling blocks, but if not, you can overcome them and continue to succeed. So Jordan, thanks so much for being on today, my man. Hey, thanks, my friend, and I'm uh, appreciative that you're okay with me going old school and holding a microphone. You know, we <laughs> talked off air about my son uh, losing one of the screws in my <laughs> in my boom for the mic. So we're not gonna let that stop us. Not, not gonna a let chance. that stop us. That's right. Not a chance. Now, Jordan, uh, while people are listening, I want them to be able to find you. So, where would they be able to look you up on either Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, uh, those different platforms? Yeah, so uh, actually Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter, all the same handle, at Jordan J. Mendoza. And then uh, LinkedIn, yeah, you can find me. Just search up uh, Jordan Mendoza. You should be able to find me there as well. Awesome. So to kick off your story, um, growing up, financially speaking, times were not always lavish. You talked about growing up and having to use food stamps. So just talk a little bit about the younger years and growing up in that kind of an economic environment for you. Yeah, so a little backstory on that. Um, the reason why it was tough is, you know, I grew up with a mom that had one lung, and you know, because she had one lung, she couldn't really. She's on disability, really couldn't do a whole lot of, you know, on the books work just because of her, you know, physical uh, her physical ability. And so, yeah, that that definitely made it tough, right? She uh, she tried to provide the best she can and uh, with limited resources, but she was she was definitely very savvy and would figure out, you know, whether that's going to play bingo or, or going to, you know, the dog races and betting and, and trying to figure out ways to, she could buy school clothes, you know? So when she would hit those, uh, the blackouts and bingo, those, those were, <laughs> those were nice, uh, Christmases. Right. But, but yeah, so it, it's always tough when, when you have limited resources. And, and I think, uh, for the obvious reasons, you, you know, you have, you might have a complex about it. Like, man, this, this sucks. This person gets new stuff all the time or has this and that. And, and I don't, don't have this, but you know, the one thing that, uh, mom instilled in us is she always instilled love. She always showed mm. that she cared about us, you know? And so that, that, uh, really, I think moved the needle in terms of not having us feel that way for very long, you know, Hey, like, is it okay? We're going to, we're going to get through this. We'll be all right. You know? So just tried to stay positive and encouraging, uh, during those times. Yes. Now, as we look at that, I think sometimes we play the comparison game. When you were younger in those years, did you feel different? Did you compare yourself to other people? Or was that something that you really felt like, hey, I, I didn't know any different in my younger years as I was in those times? Yeah, I mean, I think there there were definitely cer certain moments, right? There's like pivotal moments that happen. Like I remember I was probably in first or second grade and I came home and I was wearing the same pants from last year and there was like a tear. I didn't know, but it was like 
on my the right behind of my pants, you know, and and so yeah, so there was teasing. There was people who were like, "Hey, like we can see, you know, whatever," and and so yeah, that that was not a fun experience to to go through, you know. Yeah. Um, and so for me, like I was that I was that kid though that I because I didn't have it, like I figured out ways to get it. You know, I was mm. very resourceful and in the state of Oregon, you could collect, uh, you know, I think it was a nickel for every can. So I would go door to door and just try to collect people's cans that they would just give me. And then I would go turn that in and, and that would be kind of spending money. Right. So I, I was a resourceful kid in that sense. I, I've always had, you know, an entrepreneurial spirit where I could turn something into money, you know? Yes. Now, another entrepreneurial uh, adventure you went on was the newspaper route. So talk a little bit about, you know, being a teenager and getting started in that. Yeah, you know, and it's interesting because a lot of people think it's routes like you're you're a paper boy, right? You're the kid that's like riding the bike around and you're going. And and that wasn't me. I was actually the, the, the sales guy, right? So I was the kid that showed up at your door with the clipboard. And in the clipboard, I was trying to get you to sign up for the daily the daily and Sunday or just, you know, or just the weekly. Uh, and then, you know, basically I would actually have a list of everyone that was a subscriber. So this was mm. the subscribers and non-subscribers did not know this. Right. But I actually had a clipboard and I had the list. So they'd be like, Oh, I'm already subscribed. And I'd be like, um, I'm sorry, Mr. Smith, but it looks like you canceled in March of last year, you know? And so, so you would actually get people like that. Cause they're like, Oh, I didn't realize, you know, even though they probably did realize they yeah. hadn't canceled, but so you'd get kind of like these, a little bit of sympathy sales. But, uh, my first day though, uh, you know, I share this, uh, you know, in a lot of podcasts is my first day sucked. Like I, I didn't sell anything. I, I heard over a hundred people tell me no. And when you can, when you get compounded nose like that, especially as a 14 year old, uh, it can impact your attitude. And, and I yeah. definitely had a bad attitude that day. And I remember sitting on the curb and I was all in my feelings and my brother and my buddy, Steve from down the street, they were high fiving each other cause they got sales <laughs> and my clip, my clipboard was full Phil. Like <laughs> there was, there was no sales that were had. And I learned a very powerful lesson that day from our distributor, Jim Franks. And what he said was, well, first he's like, Hey, well, let's settle up. You know, I didn't want to hand him my full clipboard. So I was like hesitant to give it to him. And then he's like, Hey, listen, you know, I know this may not make sense to you today, Jordan, but hopefully one day this will make sense. And I'm like, sure, Jim, like do your, give me your spiel. You know, I was just, I wasn't very excited. And he said, the sale doesn't start until the customer says no. Mm. I looked at him and I was like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And I just kind (laughs) of stormed out but four years later i'd stayed i stuck with sales i did come back for day two i did you know figure it out and i did you know get some level of success and was actually starting to train other people about four years later and i remember this kid on my team he was out in the field he had one of those crappy days where he didn't sell anything and i remember he just looked exactly like i did at 14 and i looked him in the eyes phil and you know what i said to him i said the sale doesn't start until the customer says no, right? Because it made sense then. Yeah. Like I had to, I had to figure out, like, because if, if you have a bad attitude, for one, people will read that all over your face. So I had to really psych myself out and shift my mindset. And once I started to realize that, you know, every no was one step closer to a yes, right? And when I kind of shifted that around, and I started searching for no's instead of searching for yeses, right? You have to play these games with your mindset, especially if you're in the field of hearing a lot of people uh, say no to you. There's a lot of good nuggets in there. So I want to break a couple of those down. One of them, uh, Rory Vaden has a quote and he says, you know, 
we are best equipped to serve our past self who comes to the form of us as someone in the future, right? And so it's so interesting to hear you say that, hey, this quote that was given to me four years earlier, eventually, as I started doing the mentoring, that me four years ago came to me and I was able to regurgitate the exact same line that was given to me. Yeah. Now, the second thing that I would love to hear a little bit of insight on is what got you through those four years, right? So, hey, day one was really bad. Eventually it gets better, but what kept you going throughout those four years? Yeah, it's, it's what I tell my clients all the time. They're probably tired of me saying it, but it's you got to put in the reps. Like you mm -hmm. have to experience it because with, with experience come lessons, right? If you extract them right you got to extract the yeah. lesson but so i learned how to relate to people i learned how to read body language i learned how to come up with icebreakers that actually you know made them do some evoke some type of emotion like when it was hot out and they would answer the door they i'd say hey how you doing they'd say good how are you i'm like ah it's hot and they're like, hey, would you like some water? Yeah, and right. A lot of times they'd invite me in and then boom, I broke the ice, right? So you had to figure out how do you think on your feet? How can I use my environment, right? So like my environment was people's homes. So I would look at flags. I would look at their mm. car. I would look at – I would identify something I could relate to right when they opened that door. Because if you can do that, right, if, if I saw that maybe they were holding a young kid, I would say, hey, oh, did I wake him up? You know, and then, oh, no, they're, oh, okay, sorry. You know, so you, yeah. you, you got to figure things out. You got to figure out how to work your environment into what you're doing. And that, and that really relates to any field. You don't have to go knock on doors, right, to, in, in order to understand this concept. But it's truly leveraging your environment, leveraging your surroundings is part of your strategy. It becomes part of your playbook, essentially. Yeah. Now, hearing no or seeing no as a, not a bad thing has parlayed throughout your entire life. What are some games or some mental tricks that you use to allow no to be, to become not negative, but actually be a positive thing for you? It's, it's understanding the law of averages and, and the law of averages say that, you know, the more people you talk to, the more money you make. Right. And that's in that's in any business. I don't care if you're selling homes. I don't care if you're selling financial products and services, a a service, a SaaS product. The more people you see, the more people you get your product or your service in front of, the more people that are going to convert into customers. And so if you can understand that baseline, then you'll know that they'll they'll eventually be there. But here's the thing. If you get to that right customer and your attitude sucks, they're not going to be a customer. Yep. So you have to keep your attitude in check and you have to understand that every single time it, it's almost like it resets right after every no it resets and you don't know what the next thing is going to be. But if you can maintain that positive attitude and maintain your smile and your eye contact and your enthusiasm, those are really yeah. three ingredients that can get you a lot in life, man, you're going to be that much closer to that next. Yes. Boom. Nailed it. Now, in your story, you had mentioned earlier, hey, my mom had had some health complications and at a young age, um, 54, she ends up passing away. So talk about, you know, that phase of life for you and just kind of that moment in time. Yeah, man, what, what a tough time that was. You know, my mom, you know, for 
anyone that doesn't know or hear me talk about her, like she was my best friend. You know, I was definitely a mama's boy. I talked to my mom, you know, two two times a day for you know pretty much my whole life. Even though I traveled all around the country and, and things like that, she was just that my rock. She was the person that believed in me and told me that I could do anything and everything. She's the reason why I have the confidence and optimism that I have. You know, people are always like, "Wham, why are you so optimistic? Why are you so excited?" It's like, well. I'm, Mom said I could do whatever I want, you know, so mm. why can't I, you know? And when you have someone that believes in you like that and you go from a, a phone call and then you don't hear their voice again, uh, man, that, that's tough. Uh, I don't care who you are, what, you know, what, what wow. your thoughts are with empathy or how you care about humans. When, when you go from someone that you literally speak to every day multiple times and then to radio silence, like it, you're going to go through this downward uh, trajectory and for me, uh, I didn't even realize it was happening. I didn't realize that I was, you know, going through this dark place, which now in hindsight I know was I was depressed yeah. because you know when she got sick, I kind of got activated. I'm not the oldest out of my five brothers, but I got activated and I had to step up to the plate. And I was dealing with the doctors and I was dealing with all this extra stuff, yeah. and I just took it on because that's kind of what I do. I'm just like, all right, let me take this on. Let me kind of put, you know, let me be strong in this moment. Uh, and when you do that, sometimes the weight becomes so heavy that you can kind of almost go through the motions, this sense of fogginess. And for me, what that looked like, Phil, is like there were days I didn't remember, you know, driving to work. There were days I didn't remember driving home, right? I, I, it was just really foggy. And I went from managing uh, 558 units uh, in Atlanta, right near Emory University. I had 24 employees. This place was, you know, humming like a well-oiled machine to through this process, getting a demotion, uh, getting a smaller responsibility, a new team. And when I tell you, uh, you know, that was a, that was actually a kind of game changing moment for me. I needed, I needed the, the extra time in the space. And then and, and the moment I didn't understand it, I was like, man, like they've got no empathy for my situation <laughs> They're Instead of like checking in and seeing, do I need help? They're actually demoting me. Yeah. And then in hindsight, now I look at it and if I wouldn't have been demoted and at this other property, when this new opportunity came about, uh, maybe I wouldn't have been in the right mindset for it, you know? So I, I appreciate the demotion and I feel like it was supposed to happen because it led me into applying for another opportunity that I spent eight years, an eight year career in training and development. So there's two things I want to pick out from there. And one would be, you know, if someone in your life is going through a tough time, reflecting back on your time, you know, going through that challenging personal, what's the best thing we can do as friends, as colleagues, you know, to let them know, hey, we're, we're there to talk to them? Yeah, I mean, it's just reaching out. You know, it, it takes a simple text, a simple voice note, a simple, hey, how are you? You know, and it's yeah. interesting because actually today I, I did this on TikTok, and I actually got inspired because I had a couple people, you know, I've been so busy, I haven't been creating as much content as I normally do, and people notice, I actually had a couple people DM me, they're like, hey, bro, are, like, are you okay? Like, I want to make sure you're yeah. all right, and that, and that meant a lot, right? It meant a lot that people noticed that I wasn't around, and so I said, you know what, I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to I'm gonna take that gift, and I'm going to do it on TikTok today, so I sent a 
put a video out just to all my friends. So on TikTok, they, if you follow someone and they follow you, you become a friend. And so I did it just to friends and I just said, hey, listen, I'm just checking on you guys. How are you doing? What are you up to? You know, and that and that was it, right? But sometimes we get gifts like that and, and it's great if we can actually deploy those uh, and push it back out and reach more people because how many people in 2022 are hurting, right? You know, yeah. especially if they watch the news, especially if they pay attention to a lot of the negativity that's out there. Um, man, you don't know how much that check-in uh, can truly change the trajectory of their day, their week, their month, or their life. Yes, and I think to your point, I, we all overthink it, right? We all think we have to have this perfect language. We got to have that right comments, like checking in. Right. That, that, that 100%. Let, open the door and let them, uh, you know, tell you what's going on. Yep. And, and listen, you, you want to get a reply, do a, send a video message, yeah. you know, uh, that those are hard to ignore, you know, <laughs> they're, they're harder to ignore, you know, a voice note, they, they may, you, you could tell that they read it, but maybe if they're hurting, they may not reply, but usually a video when they see your face pop up, uh, those can, can move the needle for sure. Yes. Now the other part within that story is to your point, lose my mom get a demotion. I mean, it feels like, gosh, what the heck is going on? Like everything is happening poorly to me at once. So how does one yeah. rise from the ashes of that? Right. What, what are maybe, you know, a couple of tangible things that you did to get yourself, you know, up off the couch, up off the ground and, and forge forward. Man, it, it's remembering, uh, you know, what, what they would want for you. You know, mm. I think, I think that's important, you know, like, uh, I could I could have continued to sulk. I could have continued to walk through the motions, but would my mom have wanted me to do uh, that, or would yeah. or would she have wanted me to basically put on all the armor that she helped me build over the years with confidence, with with you know pride, you know with encouragement, with optimism, and so I just had to remind myself like. You know, because she's gone, it doesn't mean my life's over. And, and I, mm. I felt like that at some point, yeah. you know, like I remember getting the call from my brother. I walk outside of our apartment. I just kind of fell on the ground. I'm just like, like, what am I going to do? Like, I don't have this confidant. I don't have this person that that I would typically confide in, you know. And, yeah. and again, I have my my wife, but, you know, mom's different. You know, yeah. moms are moms are different. Right. So. So, yeah, like I, I did feel like that. I felt like I was lost. I felt like, you know, what am I going to do now? I don't have this person that's going to support me and encourage me. Like, yeah. what am I going to do? You know, but I'll, I'll tell you this. Uh, it can be done. You can pick yourself up. You can get over that hump because I've done it. You know, I, I remember being in a place where I felt like I couldn't move, like you're in quicksand and it's foggy. Yeah. But but now but now I've come to the other side. And, and my hope is that I can encourage other people that might watch or listen to this that you can get through it. You know, it may it's the timing of it. There's no time that you can put on it, and the pain is still going to be there. It's still going to be there on, on a daily basis, but you got to remember uh, what they would want for your life. And, and you know, it is is are you going to represent their legacy well by sulking? You know, or maybe it's I can encourage people through her story. I can encourage people through the way that she actually lived her life and, and the positivity that she spread, knowing all the things that, that she she had to face on a daily basis. That's awesome. That's really good. Now, to you, you kind of hinted at earlier, there was a demotion within the business and that made you think, well, maybe there's something else out there, right? This has been a good thing for me for a while, but maybe there's something else. So talk a little bit about this transition that comes from the demotion. 
Yeah, so I was, you know, managing a, a smaller team. I had a new, uh, you know, assistant manager. I had new a leasing team, new maintenance team, uh, and I was at a, a property that, you know, was a little more quiet, a little, a little less unit. So uh, you would think a little less responsibility, but you know, there were some things that I experienced there that I didn't experience at other places I managed. Like we had this summer of, you know, in the summer in most major lot of riffraff there's a lot of car thefts carjackings break-ins to apartments and you know i was managing luxury apartments and i remember one day like i get to the office and i literally had like you know a, a row of about 10 people all mad all wait all coming to see me <laughs> that's never that's yeah. never a good day right it's never a good morning when before 9 a.m there's a line of people waiting to see you and it's interesting how humans how humans act and i'd love to just paint this picture for everybody because what had happened just to give you the backstory is there were carjackings and car theft and break-ins that happened the night before and we've got security cameras we've got a gates it's a gated community but that doesn't stop these car theft ninjas guys right. they, if they want to get in guys they're going to jump the dang gate they're going to do whatever they can to, to figure out how to get in but it's just funny how different people react in different situations because out of this long you know line of people i had some people come in uh, very very aggressive like yelling at me, you stole my car like you did in and, and you know they're basically telling me that i did it and i'm <laughs> like well have you have you called the police yeah. have you contacted your insurance company like these are the things that you've got to do before you come even see me because all i'm going to do is file a report like i've got to file an incident report that, that this went on and so you know i'm getting yelled at i'm getting cussed at and then this one guy comes in and he's like hey jordan how you doing i'm like I'm like, good. Like, this is nice. Like, this is a change of pace. And, and he's like, yeah, so um, my car got stolen. Like, car completely stolen. He's super calm. Yeah, car got stolen. I've already contacted insurance. Uh, I've actually got the police report. Here's a copy. Uh, have a great day. And he just, like, walks out of the office, you know. <laughs> I'm like, wait a second here. Like, it's so funny how different personalities react wow. in different situations. But handling an environment like that is not always easy, right? And right. so when you're dealing with difficult customers and difficult situations, I'd love to just to give a tip. You know, something that works for me is if you've got someone that's disruptive, right? Disruptive means maybe their arms are flailing, their, their voice is carrying out to where it's affecting affecting people in the environment, the best thing that you can do is try to get them in a separate area, right? So yeah. kind of, hey, come back here. Let's let's calm down a little bit. And if they continue to be disruptive, don't be afraid to get law enforcement involved. Like, you know, like don't take crap is what I'd say from people because like this is your job. They're they're literally coming and harassing you and where they're, they're disruptive, they're actually affecting everybody. Right. Innocent bystanders, you know, other employees and things like that. So those are just some tips because I've seen this stuff firsthand. Uh, and again, these are situations that now if it comes up in, in another workplace that I'll be able to handle uh, and deal with, you know, and and so living through some of this stuff really helped in the next role, which is training and development. And I had already trained and coached people in my sales career. Um, and so it was a really, really good fit to, to be able to segue into. Yes. And as you're segueing there, there's a part of you that thinks maybe I should start, a, you know, a business by myself or on the side as well. So talk about entering into a new role, but then also starting your own business and kind of having both going on for a period of time. Yeah, you know, a lot, a lot of that happened probably about five years into my training role. You know, I, uh, 
I just got certified in Myers Briggs. You know, so yeah. for the for anyone that doesn't know Myers Briggs, it stands you know it's MBTI. It's the Myers Briggs Type Indicator, and, and I'm a certified practitioner. I was I went through a, a internal leadership program, and then we found out after the program that that all of us trainers were actually going to facilitate the program. In order to facilitate it, we had to become MPTI, you know, certified practitioners. So, you know, I, you flew out to Dallas, we spent four days and, uh, you know, got certified uh, in MBTI. What's and, your you know, personality? While, uh, ENFP. ENFP, okay. Yeah, and so, well, you know, while we're getting certified, you know, the instructors, you know, she's mentioning, you know, like, how you can essentially charge what you want. Like you, when you are certified, you're essentially a free agent and you go into companies and you negotiate what you're going to charge to, yeah. uh, for the assessments, for the debriefs. And I was just like, I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, man, like I could turn this into some type of side hustle. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, was, I was actually getting excited about it. And so after that, I was, I was actually, you know, thought, you know what, I'm going to add this and maybe this could turn into something. And so, you know, I actually ended up getting some clients and I got some, you know, good paying clients and just like everything you get into, you know, I, I after a while I was like, oh, I'm not that into this, you know? So, yeah. so I, I, it kind of was a high and then it just kind of died down. And I do use it for clients because it's a it's a massively great tool to take that introspective look at yourself, to take a deep dive and understand how you're wired. Because when we understand how we're wired, it actually helps us understand other people. You know, so like when me and my wife took it, it was so funny. We're like on the kitchen floor. We're kind of laughing. We're crying. And we're like, you know what? She's like, you're not an idiot. This is just how you're wired. You know, like this is why you do this certain thing, and, and it's so cool to have those epiphanies with your spouse yeah. and to realize, like, okay, like some of this is just inherent. Now, I, I will have this disclaimer: it doesn't mean that you can always act the way that you want, guys. Okay, because that's the easy out to 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 basically sit on your type because we are way more than our type and the best thing that you can do if you want a fruitful and sustainable relationship is to be flexible it's to be able to flex even though you may be highly extroverted there's times when you have to shift and flex to introversion even though i might you know be very uh, a perceiving type sometimes i've got to be more systematic right so i think that's one of the biggest things as a coach and as a practitioner that i like to relate to people is that you know don't let it let it pigeonhole you you know don't you know use this as a hiring and a firing tool like those are just some things that are kind of no-goes in the industry and just know that you are way more than your type type is a small part of who we are and having the understanding is great but using it and leveraging it is really where the magic is so that's really good and you made a very small comment but i want to kind of expand on it and that was you know, I was really gung-ho about it for a while, and then all of a sudden I wasn't. And I think oftentimes yep. people are afraid to start something because they're like, well, I don't know if I want to do this for the rest of my life. And that's okay. <laughs> I mean, as long, okay, as, you're, you know, okay. as long as you're not 100% financially committed to it being the rest of your life, right? Like, that's okay to start something and find out three months, six months in, hey, this just wasn't for me, and I'm going to pivot my energy into something else. Like, that's okay. Yep. So talk yeah, a little bit about, you know, releasing that feeling of, or that tension, that pressure of like, well, if I decide to do it, it's got to be 100% me for forever. Well, Phil, if if we had time to <laughs> basically write on a scroll of all the great ideas I've had over the years and all the ones that have failed, we'd be here all night, my friend. Uh, so that's the best advice I can give you is yeah. fail. Like fail a bunch. Try things out. Like me, 
basically looking at MBTI and saying, you know what, this is not going to be my main thing. That was an easy call because it was like, you know what, I enjoy doing this, but I can't see myself doing this every day. Now, is it still a value add for clients? 100%. Can I put people through it if they want a debrief? 100%. And so it still is a value add. It's just not the main thing. And I think if you if you aren't consistently testing new things and trying to see where it is, I have another program uh, that I launched uh, last year. I completely cut it. I, we don't offer it anymore. It's not a service that we offer. And it was because, uh, again, I, I did. I saw the value at one point, and I still see the value, but me putting my time and energy into it doesn't really give me a ton of passion. Yeah. I don't like how the process is going, and I just said, you know what, we're not going to offer this anymore. And that's a great thing about being an entrepreneur is one day we could be open for business in one area, and we could completely shut that down. Right, and then now it's great for for my uh, friends and colleagues because I can say, hey, they need help with this. I don't do this anymore. Here you go. Here's a lead for your business, and I can kind of collaborate and share that love with other people. Yes. So the biggest entrepreneur path that you've gone down and you really have continued to be in stride on is the Blaze Your Own Trail Consulting. So talk a little bit about like what that all entails and you know target demographic for you and your business. Yeah, so I, I focus a lot on service providers, right? Which, which, and the reason why I do that is, is most people provide a service, <laughs> and so I, I, I am one of those people that I love to work with a, a multiple multiple types of businesses because it, it gets me versed in other industries. And yeah. so uh, j just to give context on what that looks like, so like, you know, we have one of our clients, uh, they actually teach chefs how to launch a six-figure personal chef business, right? So they're, they're, you know, the owner of that company is a, you know, private chef that knows how to cook, but instead of teaching them how to cook in the kitchen, he's teaching them how to cook up a business. So it's yeah. everything from the systems, the process, the branding, the websites, uh, the social media pieces and things like that. And so how, how I was able to, to add value to that company is I actually, uh, shot, recorded and built a digital course that now gets deployed to all of their high ticket clients. So, you know, they have clients that pay them $30,000 to help build their business in 90 days or less. Okay, so those students go through uh, some live coaching, they go through group coaching, and then they also have access to my digital course that I shot and recorded, and it's teaching chefs uh, an introduction into social selling. So how do they leverage social media to build authority and to actually monetize their expertise? Uh, and so that digital course now lives on their platform. Okay, so that's one way that I can help companies is I can you know get inundated, I can learn about what they do, and then I can build a custom course that they can now leverage for their for their folks. So that's one way I'm helping them. The other way is I actually do calls with all these new protégés they bring on, and I uh, optimize their social media and optimize their reputation management, like Google My Business uh, and Yelp. Okay, so that's kind of one way that companies work with us. Another way is we coach people on social media. So if you have, we have clients that come to us and they say, you know what? I, I know LinkedIn, I f I'm figuring it out, but I'm not bringing consistent leads in. I don't really have a client acquisition system and process, and I'll work with them for 90 days and teach them. Uh, we'll go from optimizing to the content strategy to the engagement strategy, how to build an audience, and then actually how to monetize. So I teach them actually how to leverage it to acquire clients without selling and without any paid ads. Um, and so from a coaching aspect, we also – 
coach clients. And then we also have done for you management where we have clients that say, Hey, can you just do this? We don't have the time. We don't have the bandwidth. Can you just create the content, you know, get it out there for us. We'll handle the engagement side of it uh, and do it that. So it just depends on what businesses are looking for, but everything we do is really to help increase visibility, um, you know, increase audience and, and then increase uh, and, and mo- be able to monetize what they're doing, their efforts. Cause a lot of people, that reach out to us. They've got massive followings, especially this happens on TikTok a lot. They've got 200,000, a million followers, but they're making 50 bucks a month and they don't understand. They don't have an offer. So we actually help clients build offers, like build something, structure it so that now you have something to bring to the marketplace. Now, as they hear that, they hear, oh man, that means I've got to be on all platforms. I've got to be crushing in all areas. And I think, you know, something that you've highlighted well in different content you've put out is there's depending on what you're trying to do or who you're trying to be in front of, there are certain platforms that make more or less sense for you and maybe prioritize this one. Doesn't mean you shouldn't be doing things on other ones, but there should be maybe like kind of a ladder of focus here and get and start working here. Talk a little bit about that for someone. Yeah. Yeah. My, my suggestion is always to focus on a platform at a time, you know, and then once you actually start to build an audience and a brand. So 2019, I started focusing heavily on LinkedIn. I mean, creating content every day, every day, every day. And three years later, you know, now we, we have seen the results of that, you know, almost 70,000 followers on a business platform and a million views a quarter just through the personal content, right? But it didn't always look like that. There were times when I get five views or, you know, six likes on a video and it's just all about consistency and continuing to show up and build that brand. And so because I had built up a large enough audience on LinkedIn and kind of built that authority, I started slowly shifting people to other platforms. So, hey, come follow me on this platform. And then we picked up the content strategy on that platform. And then as we build the audience there, then we start shifting to another platform, right? So it's a, it's really about where, where do you want to plant your roots? And I think LinkedIn, uh, for any business owner out there that may listen listen to this or watch this, if you want to be at a place where you know the the income uh, levels are higher, right? You've got people that are primed and ready for business. Uh, LinkedIn is a great place to play. Uh, and you know, since it was purchased and acquired by Microsoft, the SEO on the platform is incredible, and you can really get a lot of organic reach. Still, it's not as good as it was in 2019, 2020, but you still can reach a lot of people for free. You know, without having to you know pay any money on on ads. So. Now, is the content people should be producing, is it the same across all platforms? Is there certain things that, hey, do more of this here and do less of this here? What does that look like for somebody? You know, you know, there's so many nuances, right? And, yeah. and one of the things that I've tested on LinkedIn and, and, it, and it really seems to perform okay is, so LinkedIn, I could bring a TikTok video on LinkedIn in vertical format with the watermark and it will still perform well. Now, if you brought you know, a video from LinkedIn in that square format to TikTok, it's not going to perform well because it's not native to that platform, yeah. uh, if, that, if that makes sense. So, uh, you know, that's one of the things that, you know, reason why I tell people to hire a coach, right? Hire somebody that is versed in the platform that you want to learn on because they're going to be able to give you those little insights and the tips and the strategies that can essentially accelerate your growth on those platforms. Because like when clients work with me, they get the three years of ups and downs and failing and fumbling through 
to, to basically say, hey, skip all this stuff. Like, let's not do any of this. Here's the exact strategy. Here's the exact structure that works. And here's the results that we're, you're going to get during our time, right? And so that's the one thing earlier I said about going and failing because as you fail, you're going to learn something, right? You're either yep. going to because because you either fail you, you you win a lesson you know or you win and you win something else right whether that's you know growth or visibility or um, uh, something monetary but if you're not consistently out there and testing new things and you know a new feature came out on, on linkedin recently where now you can add a link into a video or a text post right so every time there's a new feature you always want to use new features on platforms because they're pushing those features out to the masses and yeah. so and so that's a lesson for everyone if, if you see a new feature on TikTok or, t or or Twitter or Instagram always figure out you know go check it out go see who's using it see how they're using it and then try to add it into your strategy that's really good advice now somebody today is gonna go check out Jordan Mendoza on LinkedIn and they're gonna see holy cow this guy's got a crazy following it's easy to see somebody's end result or after they've been doing it for a long time, right? Certainly you'll keep growing, but talk about the sticking in it, right? It, it kind of makes me think of your newspaper story, right? Like, hey, maybe yeah. day one, it didn't go really well, but I kept doing it for four years and eventually it did become a good thing for me. So talk a little bit about that in regards to your LinkedIn process. Yeah, again, it, it's about putting in the reps. It's about showing up, you know, even on the days that, that you don't want to. And, and, you know, I remember one of the things that really helped me get consistent is I did this 30 day video challenge. And so it was the challenge to literally every day post a video and it was over the course of 30 days. And so what the interesting part about it was like people got to see sides of me that, that some of them probably didn't want to see, right? <laughs> you know, and I got to kind of see, you know, what content people really enjoyed. I mean, yeah. 30 days, like, and, and the way that I did it, I do not recommend anybody do it this way, but I didn't come up with the content till the morning of. And so I would literally almost be like freestyling these videos. And so people got to see some of my Simpsons impressions. They got to see videos with my kids, my break dancing. And so it was just this hodgepodge of stuff. But what, but really what it did though is I got to build this tribe. I got to, to build this audience of people that were like, oh, wow, I didn't know you had this hidden talent. I didn't know you could do this. And so my network grew, but I felt like we grew closer because yeah. people really started to see, okay, this guy's testing stuff. He's, he's trying these new things. He's not afraid. To, to be himself and that's one of the most important pieces of advice I give anyone is always just show up as you and uh, you know there's no one else that can replace you there's no one else that can you know has your personality or has your skill set or your mindset or your talents or your ability so just be you a hundred percent of the time and it will be it would be easy that's awesome now <clears throat> for you through different connections it's been really neat to see how new opportunities and new doors have opened up and so uh one thing that you had the opportunity to do over the course of the last year was write that book that's right behind you so if you're watching you'll see there's a book called brand sharks yes. right behind him uh talk a little bit about brand sharks yeah how that opportunity came up and uh you know a little bit about the story you guys might recognize a guy on there too <laughs> Yeah, so so I got a. I think for me, I can't remember if it was a text, a call, or a DM from Ruben. Yeah, uh, this probably is is how your your journey started as well. I don't know if it started similar, but yeah, Ruben, a buddy of ours, he reached out and just said, "Hey, you know, I'm working on this 
uh, project. I'd love for you to be involved. This is what it's all about. And, you know, there was just something about Brand Shark that resonated with me, you know, yeah. because I think sharks a lot of times get a bad rap, but I think they're very strategic, you know. And, yeah. And, uh, and, and they've got tough skin and they, uh, they, they deal with a lot of adversity, right? I mean, you know, when you're the major predator, like other things are, uh, either coming for you or, or <laughs> running away from you. Right. So yep. there was just something for me that resonated. And then once I kind of got to know who the other people were involved and you can really see the character and, and the values that people had, I mean, that for me was uh, just kind of pushed it over the edge. And so it was a fun, it was a fun pro it was a hard project. Honestly, like I felt like I spun my wheels for like 90 days and didn't have a single word and then realized I hated typing. And so I started <laughs> dictating. And so, you know, it was just like this whole roller coaster of emotions and, and folks, you may think it's not that hard to write, you know, 5,000 words, but it's, it's not easy guys. Like it's, it's not easy to, you know, have to recall stories and, and the way that I did mine, it was like I was sharing some pivotal moments of my life, you know, re yeah. really trying to get, you know, a lot of years of my life and stories into 5,000 words. It, it was, it was challenging, but it was a fun process and it showed me that I could do it. It showed me that I can become a published author, which we all yeah. are now. And now I'm like, all right, I'm going to write a solo book and I know that I can do this and I know what I want it to be about. And so for me, it was about learning. It was about mm -hmm. investing in myself to uh, learn about this. And then all the feedback that I've gotten from people that have bought and read the book. I mean, it's just, it's been great. And is it perfect? And are there things I would have wish I would have added and, and, and edited and, and things like that, of course, but it's all part of the journey, right? It's like, hey, that's my first book, and uh, I use it as a learning tool, as a marketing tool, but there's not a lot of people that I know that are published authors. You know, we, of yeah. course, we, we both are in this project together, but out yeah. of all my friends and family, I'm the only one, right? And so yeah. it, it was a pretty big milestone to be a part of. Yes. Now, additionally, you have a podcast and talk a little bit about what the focal point is for your podcast and the, you know, the stories behind it. Yeah. So the show is called Blaze Your Own Trail. Yeah. And, you know, the, the whole reason I wanted to start the show is, you know, I wanted to learn from other leaders around the world, people that have blazed a trail in business, people that have blazed a trail in life that have been through stuff, through ups and downs, and just figure out what was their journey to success. Like, what did all the hard stuff look like? Because yeah. usually in mass media, we only see the highlight reels. We only see the good stuff. We only hear that. And so for me, it was like I wanted selfishly to, to know these stories and know <laughs> these journeys of everyone. But also, I grew up in Portland, Oregon, and my favorite team was the Portland Trailblazers, still is to this day. <laughs> yes. So I was able to kind of couple my the love of my favorite team into the name. Uh, and, you know, man, the first you know season of the show was just incredible. I, I learned from so many incredible leaders, guys like, you know, Dave Meltzer coming on, Heather Monahan had on the show that season, J.J. Burden, who was a played for the Oregon Ducks and the Chiefs. And, you know, I got to learn a lot from these people. And, and what I started to realize over about six months is that they were just the same as me. Yeah. Like the, these people woke up 
hopefully that morning and they had issues internet issues and maybe their kids got sick and so i quickly started to realize that there was no fear i needed to have when i was on these interviews uh, and that was a really big game changer for me because i started going after other people that you know maybe i wouldn't have reached out to before because i had this confidence level because these people we're having an actual conversation and they're agreeing with stuff that i had to say as well and they saw value in what i was bringing to the table and so man it, i i feel like i got a phd you know through the first 50 episodes in so many different areas of life and of business and building relationships and networking and, and man the show is just it's added a ton of value we've released 90 episodes we're i think ranked one and a half percent globally out of 2.8 million shows and got listeners in uh, just under 70 countries and and so it's just been a great experience it's added a lot of value to my business inadvertently yeah. you know people as you build these relationships for 30 minutes to an hour naturally people wonder what you do and so i've actually got a lot of great clients out of it i've got a lot of great sustainable relationships you you know, Meltzer is a guy that he, he brings me his clients as guests and, and he's helped me and, and we've just stayed connected. And it's just the power of proximity. You know, it's something that I don't think it's talked about enough, but, you know, one of the things that he's always instilled is like, you know, show me your five closest friends and I'll show you your future. And when I think back to before I launched my business, I surrounded myself with a group of mentors. I have went to this entrepreneurship group in my church and a yeah. lot of these guys have, have been there. They've done it. They've got successful businesses and they encouraged me when I was getting ready to launch. And I really learned a lot of ways not to do things from them. Uh, and when you can surround yourself with people like that, you know, they say uh, iron sharpens iron, right? When we can surround ourselves with people that are in the places that we want to be in and learn and grow from them, it's amazing what can happen from that. And what I actually realized is that they were starting to say, hey, we need your help. We, we don't have your area of expertise. And so I started to, to feel like I was actually contributing to them and adding value to them as well. That's so good. Now, something I'm curious about is, and you talked about this just a minute ago, being a dad now, uh, how has your upbringing been influential on how you elect to parent your kids today? Oh man, massively impactful. And, you know, I'm, I'm so grateful to be an entrepreneur now because I felt like I did lose some time with kids, eight years of travel all around the country and, and having this, you know, uh, planes, trains, and automobiles type of schedule. And then, you know, for me, like I didn't meet my real dad until I was actually 12 years old, you know? And so being present, being around, being available, you know, that's so important that now I, I get to do that and I get to be intentional about it. And I get to walk my kindergarten to the bus and I get to, uh, you know, before my uh, oldest got his license, you know, drive with him to school and, and, you know, things like that. So being able to be there and be present and, and be part of their experience, it, it's so important. And, you know, we only get one shot as parents and I'm fortunate and blessed to be a father of five. And, you know, we've got everything from a, a senior to an eighth grader, a sixth grader, a kindergartner and one at one at home. And it's so cool to just see their personality start to come out and to see them on their own individual journeys. Yes. Well, Jordan, I want to say thanks so much for the time today, brother, and just hopping on and uh, sharing the pivotal moments. Any other stories or moments that really stick out to you that you want to make sure to share? Yeah. So, uh, you know, one of the one of the things I like to share with people is just, you know, how uh, my wife and I met. And, yeah. and 
Uh, and it's one of those stories that it, it's, it seems standard for 20 years ago, but I don't know how standard it is today, but I actually had, had moved out to Georgia, uh, got a job with a sales and marketing company, uh, and she was working at the same place. And I was just moved into town. She had just moved out with from uh, some other friends' apartments, and she needed an apartment, I needed an apartment. And so her and I and another a coworker all – moved into a place together, you know? And so we were actually roommates before uh, we started dating and then we started dating and, you know, she actually, uh, and I share, I share this in, uh, I don't know how much I share this in the book, but yeah, she wasn't supposed to be able to have kids and, um, and, uh, and she ends up getting pregnant and then we end up going through a miscarriage and, you know, that was kind of a strength builder, right? For, for a young couple, uh, and we kind of dealt with that, and then she ends up getting pregnant again with our now almost 18-year-old, and we end up having four more. You know, so it's just it's crazy what happens when you know you never know where you're going to meet your soulmate, right? Like I lived uh, d- different places all around the world, and then just meet this person one day, and then you know almost 20 years later we're still together, right? <laughs> so, yes. uh, and and you know I think that you know that heartache, some of the adversity, it, it mm. definitely helps shape and mold you and, and, and strengthen those relationships as well. That's so good. That's so good. Well, Jordan, thank you again, my man. I'm super excited to see all the things you continue to do and uh, can't wait to do this again here in a few years as you continue to grow the business and uh, scale everything up. Yes, sir. I appreciate your time, man. Thank you for the opportunity. And I want to just give you a shout out. I love seeing your content on social and all the incredible people that you're interviewing. And I just want to just make sure I acknowledge you and just tell you how great of a job you're doing, Phil. Thank you, my man.